On this episode of Geek Out Loud, my good friend Bald-Headed Rod is here because we're going to be talking Neil Gaiman's American Gods. All that in your emails on your safe place to geek out at Goliverse Reads episode of Geek Out Loud. And welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet in a special Goldiverse Reads episode as we're going to be talking about Neil Gaiman's American Gods. And um, shocking, to say the least. It began in a shocking way, and it was quite the ride. But we'll talk all about that and more. But to help us out, we got to bring him in. Bald-headed Rod, fan of the world champion Chicago Cubs. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much. That happened. I'm I'm still in a little shock about it. I feel like uh, anything's possible at this point now. Are you happy crying yourself to sleep every night still? Not every night. I, I think that ended uh, about a week ago <laughs> after the uh, the work really picked up. It kind of took some of that high away from me. But, mm. you know, it was some good happy cries to sleep there for a couple weeks. It was nice. And let's just be honest. You have been working a ton yeah it's uh it hasn't been fun i took a painting job about a month ago before i knew what i was in for it my day job mm-hmm. regret that decision well it also um keeps you from being in the chat with us lately and yeah i get the notifications i'll be on like my third or fourth break for the day and then i'll get a notification i'm like oh well i guess i'm gonna miss that episode too well and we, yeah we 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 miss you in the chat you're a staple well, I, of the you're a staple of the Mixler Zoo crew, and you know. I'd like to think that Daniel and Doc and some of the others are uh, keeping the chat going without me. No. I feel like they can. No, they're not. They're not. No, we're. Uh, I'll that, tell you that's who's, I'll tell you who's keeping it going during the day when we're doing the big honking show. Is about thirty people. We have great turnouts in the afternoon for the big honking show. Um, and uh, Carissa has been around a lot, and um, it's fun. A lot of the classic people will drop in and out. Oh, that's good. Chris doesn't make as many as when I'm on. It seems like we uh, we don't cross paths much anymore. Well, she's here tonight. I see that. So, exciting times! Exciting times to be alive in a in a world where the Cubs have won the World Series. Anything is possible, ladies and gentlemen. And um, and man, this we got a good book to talk about tonight, buddy. Oh, I I did enjoy this one. Of course, I've read this one before, and I like Neil Gaiman. I can't think of anything of his that I didn't like. You know, maybe I didn't love it as much as some of the others, right. but there's none of them that I just did not like. I tell you, you could have warned me. I kind of forgot. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I better listen to this again. You know, it's been a couple of years since I've read this one, and I'm, oh yeah, you could you could have warned us all. So. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, 
was it Andy Lindemann who said something right off the bat in the in the uh, Goodreads thread? Yeah, uh, I think I picked up Fifty Shades of Gaming on accident. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what's he talking about? Because I hadn't started the book yet. And then I started like two days later. I'm like, oh, yeah. I Oops. mean, right out of the gate. Yeah. Right out of the gate, they're private parts eating people, and it gets crazy. We'll talk all about that in a little bit. We've got to... Got to take care of some business and get into some emails really quickly first. Um, first of all, I uh, want to thank everyone who is joining us live at Mixer.com slash Goldiverse. We tweet out when we're going to be live uh, on the at Goldiverse Twitter, and then I'll retweet it from my Twitter at Steve Glosson, and Rod has tweeted this out on the Goldiverse Reads Twitter. And um, and if you're joining us by the podcast, we, we thank you for that as well. We are smack dab in the middle of the holiday season now. There's no getting around it. It's happening. And uh, you know what I'm about to say. If you're doing holiday shopping, use the links that you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. We've got Amazon links. We've got Entertainment Earth links. And we have Think Geek links. And if you'll go to geekoutpodcast.com and check out this episode, if you'll click on this episode, there'll be links to other works by Neil Gaiman that you can check out uh, through Amazon, and it really does help the shows out in a big, bad way when you use those links and, and shop from them. It helps us out tremendously, uh, more than you know. If you want to support the shows directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash geekoutloud and be like this week's, or this episode's, rather, uh, featured supporter Calvin Bigelow with speed and agility like no other. Calvin moonsaults his way to victory over all those who would oppress the innocent. Calvin Bigelow is our featured supporter on this episode of Geek Out Loud, and we thank him and we thank everyone who supports us at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. So, Rod, let's, uh, I've got a couple of emails we got to go to, so let's jump into some emails. What do you say? Well, I think that sounds like a fantastic plan. Rod, before we, uh, like I say, get into much into the discussion on on the book, uh, there are a few emails to um, to to clear up here. Um, Patrick Malloy says, "Greetings, Steve. You've said on the podcast you really enjoyed the Suicide Squad film. So did I. High five. My question is, which Suicide Squad character is your favorite? I fancy Captain Boomerang from the film, since that version is much less bigoted and racist than the ones in the comics." <laughs> Also, have you read any of the comments? That's all, or comics. That's all. Cheers, and that's from Patrick Malloy. Rod, did you see the Suicide Squad? I have not yet. Okay. I think the last time I went to the movie theater was Civil War. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's I mean, it's probably my the the, the movie that I say DC and Warner Brothers has done the best so far. But but Wonder Woman nipping at its heels just based on the trailers. I am excited to see that one. Yeah, that one does look good. Um. And uh, and I don't know if I have a favorite there of the Suicide Squad. I really was surprised at how much I like Will Smith's Deadshot in that movie. Um, Harley Quinn kind of takes center stage with everyone. Killer Croc had some great lines. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good ensemble film. I don't know that everyone got their time to shine. You know, I think everyone was outshined by Smith and, and Harley Quinn by Deadshot and Harley Quinn, but. Um, 
But but I think as far as one-liners go, it was Killer Croc all the way. Did you ever read any of the Suicide Squad comics? I did not. I grew up like you, a Marvel kid, and now as I'm older and due to financial constraints, sure. space, yep. wife not killing me to buy a bunch of comics, I right. use the Marvel Unlimited app. And I really wish DC would do something I similar. I do, too. I do, too. I've been saying it for a while now. Um, I will say this to you, sir. Doctor Strange is the movie to check out. You've already seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was gonna try and go sometime this week, but uh, looks like if we're not going on a Wednesday, we're not going. Stupid work. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid job making money. I'm telling yeah. you, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I really did think, based on the trailers and everything, I was looking at the visuals and stuff, and I'm like, oh, this isn't everything it needs to be. And you know, I'm of course I'm you know doing that judgy thing. But once you get into it, man, they did a fantastic job of just evoking stuff right off of the comic page. Um, you know, right down to the dark dimension. He he walks through all the dimensions, you know, all these different Marvel Universe dimensions at one point. Um, and like, really? They do a know, multiverse? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, mm-hmm. the multiverse in the Marvel Universe is different than the DC multiverse. Because in the Marvel verse, you got like the microverse, you have the dark dimension, you have the cancer verse, you have, you have the different realities. That's hence the what if comics. But you know, here it was much more of a, almost like you went to the crossroads of infinity. If you know, if I'm going to Marvel Zombie before you, just let me know, right? No, 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 absolutely um, not. So, but there is a moment in there, and 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 I, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but there is a moment when he's in this in this particular tour of the multiverse that looks very similar to where Ant-Man was when he went subatomic in the Ant-Man movie. Um, now, they don't have the Micronauts anymore, do they? No, they don't. Those are, those are with IDW. The, the Hasbro? Yeah, the Hasbro stuff and the Revolution stuff that they're doing right now. They're bringing the Micronauts in. So, um, <clears throat> But yeah, I thought the same thing, man, because that's where the Micronauts were in the Marvel Universe. There was also, remember Psycho Man? Do you ever remember a guy named Psycho Man? In the Marvel Universe, he was uh, he was primarily a Fantastic Four villain, but he came up out of the microverse, and he had basically he had a a primitive iPad, and it had three words on it like hate, fear, and anger. I mean, it looking like a darn you so know. He was a Sith recruiting people. apparently, and he would push a button, and that would send that wave of of psychoses out to people. And hmm. um, and he actually influenced Sue Richards one time to become some dark version of herself. So yeah. she was pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't get a lot of credit. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, every now and again, they make a big deal about how she may be one of the most powerful people in the Marvel universe. I mean, she can just put a bubble over your head and you can't breathe. She did that to Dr. Doom one time. Yeah. And it's like one of those, this seems like once that power has been established, it's like, how do you, how do you just not end every fight that way? Mm-hmm. Now nah, I'm going to let everybody duke it out for a while. Just, yeah. Pop an air bubble till they don't get enough air and they pass out, and That's we're going right. home. Oh, th- there was one time where Doctor Doom sent the Baxter Building up into space, and it blew up, and she had everyone in a force bubble. And, and Reed directs her how to make the how to change the shape of her force field and put a little pinpoint of air so they'd start to head toward Earth. And Johnny has to get up front and absorb the heat on reentry and everything. And uh, and when they splash down, Reed turns his body into a raft and. It's nice when they incorporate an actual little bit of science into a comic with a guy that stretches and another guy that's You know, <laughs> most of most of what I know about science comes from Marvel Comics. 
potions. Potions give you power. No, 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 no. I mean like real science. Gamma radiation. <laughs> no, I mean like real science. Oh. <laughs> you know, like I learned about aerodynamics and I learned about uh, a spider's strength and agility from Marvel Comics. Come on. And they had their, there is the uh, spider that actually has that spidey sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, listen, I'm all about some Marvel Comics. Don't... Don't get me started. I had Adam Bray on. Adam Adam and I talked yesterday. Adam wrote uh, Marvel, absolutely everything you need to know. He also wrote, uh, was a writer on Ultimate Star Wars, the Ultimate Guide to Star Wars, and uh, Star Wars, absolutely everything you need to know, and several other books like that. And I think I out-marveled him. Um, That's as, impressive. As I was talking about stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, so he, he, doesn't, he doesn't understand that I'm completely geeking out right now. <laughs> Was it one of those, were you proud of yourself or a little embarrassed? I was embarrassed of myself, yeah. That's, was, that's one of those you don't know which. Should I be really proud mm-hmm. that I know all this or should I be a little embarrassed? Yeah. I well, I threw out the name Terminus, and most people know Terminus as a walking dead thing, but it's not. To me, Terminus is not a walking dead thing. Terminus is the name of a giant alien who attacked Earth in the pages of the Fantastic Four and later... In the pages of Quasar, and later they had there was a whole um, series of annuals um, that was called the Terminus Effect or the Terminus Factor, where people were where there was a virus that was turning animals and people into another whole Terminus thing, and he was just this big yellow alien in this huge armor, Terminus the Destroyer. I'm trying. I don't think I remember that one. Yeah, your Marvel knowledge runs deep, sir. Dude, I'm from from about 1983, 84 to 1998, 99, something like that. Um, after that, it starts to fizzle and bubble. You know, because because it's gotten so convoluted. But anyhow, so that I say all that to say, yeah, Suicide, suicide Squad. Was yeah, good. <laughs> we, we did the classic Steve Lawson thing. Hey, I'm gonna talk DC. <laughs> We're gonna flip it to Marvel for ten minutes. Sorry. Oh man. Um, Ryan says uh, the the subject line is returning Star Wars card. He says, "Longtime listener, few time emailer. Your recent discussions of trading cards on the show have inspired me to get back into my favorite trading card series of all time." Tops Star Wars Galaxy. This is a series of Star Wars art cards that has been published sporadically since 1993. I always enjoyed getting movie cards with images of scenes and characters, but the Star Wars Galaxy cards offered so much more. It collected artwork from every facet of the Star Wars franchise. Movies, posters, book covers, video game covers, concept art, uh, promotional art, comic covers, comic art, toy packaging art, Lucasfilm Christmas cards, anything you can imagine. And the images depicted the original artwork before the words and titles were placed over it. So that art from posters and books and covers could be seen completely. There were also interesting insert cards. A specific artist would generally do a series of foil character portraits. There was also sketch cards, etched foil cards, puzzle cards, and cell cards printed on clear plastic like an animation cell. Star Wars Galaxy Series 2 was released in 94, 3 in 95, Series 4 in 2009, Series 5 in 2010, Series 11 in 2000, or Series 6 rather in 2011, the most recent Series 7 in 2012, I think that the resurgence of Star Wars with the sequel trilogy spinoffs and Rebels will mean that at least one new series will be released in the next few years. I have a complete basic sets of Series 1 and 2 
and complete sets with all the inserts of Series 6 and 7. The other sets are incomplete, though I add from them time to time. I think a part of me does not want to complete the set, so I'll always have something to look forward to and hunt. And here's where I apologize for the length of this email. And that's Ryan in Boston. Um, Rod, we, uh, you know about my new, or not really new, but it's it's several months old now, obsession Re- with, with card Renewed collecting. Renewed obsession, yes. That I, <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's uh, my resurging obsession with trading card collecting. Yeah, your renewed obsession. You had oh, it when renewed, you were a child. renewed. You've... I thought you said nude obsession. No, no, no. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were renewed. going. Renewed. I thought Re-nude. you were going gaming on me. Yeah, renewed. Gotcha. Um, did you ever do the card collecting? I did. I think I had uh, the Batman series. Yeah. The Batman movie when that came out. Yes, sir. And of course, I did the Garbage Pail Kids series. Of course, you did. I'm trying to think. I think those are the only two I really did. I did manage to save all the G.I. Joe files, you know, the little ones that were on the back of the cardboard. Shut up, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had a little filing box in there that I would I had, like, a little recipe box my mom got for the specific purpose of me putting those things in there. Oh, yeah. My mom, by the way, has still not refound my G.I. Joes. Oh, man. Two two cases of G.I. Joes. I found them. I hid them so your nieces and nephews don't play with them and break them until I see you. Now she doesn't remember where she hid them from the kids. Thanks, Mom. Got me all excited. Thanks, Mom. Um, well, I I definitely did the Star Wars Galaxy Series 1 and 2. Um, I Back before I moved, I picked up Series 3. Um, series 4, you can buy full sets of, but like I've really gotten into buying these boxes of them because it's fun to open and sort and all that stuff. But to buy a box of Series 4, I mean, they're just all anything Series 4 and beyond are just out of this world expensive because that's when they started putting all these stupid insert cards in there. You know, find an autograph card, find a, a piece of the set card, and all this stuff. And it's like, ugh. I just want to, I want a full set, you know, maybe some stickers. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the, uh, the app. You know, that Star Wars trading card app. The one I haven't done in weeks. Yeah, I gave up on it. They they quit. Just What's wrong with just having a series of cards? Hey, there's 64 cards in this series. You get this entire series, you're done. Not, oh, you know, you get these 64 main, Mm -hmm. and then there's these five in a foil, and then there's these 10 that we released in a red border. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't even get me started on the parallel sets, man. It's oh, that like, just drives me nuts. It's oh, like, it, you don't well, have a complete set. You're missing one of these in a blue. And they're doing that in the physical cards, too. See, that just makes me angry. I, it, 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 bur- it really grinds my gears, Rodney. It, 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 it just, should. It it's just, a ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, and then what people do, though, what these collectors do, is they're not interested. It seems like they're not interested in complete sets. They'll buy these boxes and just break them open trying to find their autograph cards or their sketch cards or whatever the case may be, and that's all they care about because then they're going to turn around and sell them. Yep. And I'm like... Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I might have sold a couple of those digital cards on eBay. I did. Yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, people actually pay. I'm like, if right, people want to pay for it, then I'll sell it, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, but I got tired of that crap. I'm like, this is ridiculous. The digital thing was ridiculous, but I've really enjoyed going back to some of these older cards. If you ever have a chance, I think I think uh, they've put out a book now because they did a book with the original Star Wars Empire and Return of the Jedi card sets, where like it's just a each page is a picture of the card um, in the series, 
And I think they've done that now with at least the first series of Star Wars Galaxy. And it was a really impressive set because, as he said, there was all this different art. And then at the end of the set, at the end of the, you know, because you have like 120 cards, I think it was, or some such. And the last 30 or 40 were just, they went to artists and they said, just go nuts. What do you want to draw? Draw it. You know, whatever you can imagine in the Star Wars universe. And so they would, you know, there'd be some artists who were imagining, you know, um, just, you know, getting shot from the, you know, looking at a stormtrooper and a stormtrooper shooting at you. Some were like Ewoks doing something cool. Some would be like, you know, just denizens of Jabba's palace. Some would be, uh, you know, just all kinds of different, any scenarios they could imagine they would put these people in. And it was just a really cool way to go through and see different people's types of art and everything. And, and they did have like, this was in the nineties. So there were some special insert cards, but it was like nine cards that were etched foil cards for at least series one and two. And they had, and they all, when you put them together, they did make a big one, big picture, you know, with, with like nine different characters in it. But still, uh, I mean, that, and that I can under, I, I can deal with that. You know, but yeah, I think that's acceptable. When you, when you got only nine, yeah, and it makes a big thing, mm-hmm. big poster type thing. Yeah, it's when it's hey, you've got Han boarding the Millennium Falcon in the normal color. Now you've got it in the blue border, and then the even more rare red border. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Exactly. Exactly. Tapping out. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, uh, in in uh, in the email bag that has nothing to do, this has nothing to do with the game and stuff yet, but this is from Logan. On, the, on two episodes ago, um, Logan, I actually read two emails from Logan, and the second one, he tricked me into thinking he was someone else who I had an email from. And midway through, I realized it was not the person I thought it was. It was I thought he was Ben Foster. He had sent me an email with the name Ben Roberts on it. I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but that's fine. Just go back and listen. I got really confused and really upset. Well, Logan has emailed in. He's manned up. I, I demanded an apology, Rod, and um, and he has he has delivered. This is from Logan. He says, "Begin sad Hulk walking away music." All right. Dear Steve, please accept my most sincere apology for derailing you on the most recent podcast. My name has been doing this to me for years. As a way of explanation, my full name is Ben Logan Roberts, but I've always gone by Logan because my father's first name is also Ben, but his middle name is Foster. Yes, this is a weird coincidence since you were confusing me with Ben Foster. Please forgive me for derailing you. You were great and were heading to awesome, even if you won't admit it to yourself. As a peace offering, I send the Combiner Wars description below and pics of my Optimus Prime collection and the recent Combiner Wars toys. I hope you enjoy, and may the Force be with you. In sad music. All right. Um, Logan, I accept. I accept! Hooray! <laughs> Peace has been made. Peace has been made. I was asking, there was a... a, a last year, or year before last, I saw some toys, some Transformers toys in... Um, in Toys R Us that said Combiner Wars on them. And, right, I don't know how you feel about the old Transformers combiners, like your Constructicons or your Aerial Bots. I just, uh, 
I played with a couple of the new Transformer toys, and they were just mm-hmm. too too much for me. I missed the old ones. It was like flip the two legs out, flip the arms <laughs> out, done. <laughs> now it's like turn the instruction manual on turn how to turn around. your. Yeah. Well, no, like, this what? was these were these. But do you remember back in the day with the Transformers, you'd have your constructed cons that would form Devastator. Never, never got a full set. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They were the coolest, right? They were, you know, if I'd the, ever gotten them. I understand the concept, and, and you know, and you had there were other. You had your aerial bots that formed Superion. You had your protective bots that performed formed Defensor. You had the Stunticons that formed Minasaur. Um, yeah, you had a ton of them, and it was, they were great. They were always some of my favorite part. And so when I saw these toys that were like the old Constructicons, dude, like these aren't like newfangled from the movie Transformers, where you know you've got to have a, a, a an engineering degree to transform them. They looked like the original stuff. And so I'm like, Combiner Wars, I bet that'd be cool. I wonder what that's about. And I never picked any up in the comics. And so I was asking, I wonder what that's about. So Logan fills us in. Uh, the Combiner Wars stories, here it goes. Spoiler alert, everyone. The war is over. Autobots, Decepticons, and Neutrals are living in a stressed peace on Cybertron. Combiners are an ancient technology lost to the ages, though several have tried to recreate, recreate it with some success. The Enigma of Combinations is discovered on Earth, which was an artifact of Nexus Prime, which allows for combinations. Starscream, as leader of Cybertron, uses it uh, to form Devastator to send to another planet to cause trouble and further his schemes. The Aerialbots, Superion, and the Protectobots, Defensor, teams are formed to stop him. The Combaticons, Bruticus, and the Stunicons, Minasaur, are also created. Devastator, Bruticus, and Minasaur are defeated when Optimus combines with several Autobots to create Optimus Maximus. That is the short of the IDW comics miniseries. I'm in. I will read that. I will try to. <laughs> well, and he sent some cool pictures, dude. Um, he's got a shelf of Optimus Primes, two shelves of Optimus Primes from different eras and different like toy lines. Like there's everything from like small, looked like it was packed in with a Happy Meal kind of thing, up to there's a there's a a vintage, you know, looking Optimus Prime. There's Optimus Prime from like Armada. Um, there is Optimus Prime from uh, the the one where he was a fire truck. There's Optimus Prime from the movie. And then there's a shelf with man. He's got Devastator back there. It's all these combat. It's all these. They're Superion. Yeah, he's got all the constructed. You know, all the different combiners sitting here. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. I, I want to dedicate I a go room to Lo- in my house to toys. I want to go to Logan's house and play with his toys. Well, is he too far from me? Or? I don't know where he lives. Logan, I want to come stay with you. Where He's in the chat. Logan's in the chat, everyone. Logan, where do you live? Yeah, I and thought can that's I come? what you were saying that. Smithfield Inn. Okay, how many states? Oh, North Carolina. Oh, you're not far from me. No, that's, that's, that's doable. Let's see. Let's go to maps. Maps.google.com. He is immediately regretting this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll find you, Logan. I will find you, and I'll play with your toys. Doesn't somebody else live in North Carolina? Uh, yeah, yeah. Doc's mm. in. Yeah. Oh, he's up there on. Uh, he's up there on ninety-five. There's West Smithfield and Smithfield, right off of I ninety-five. Johnston Community College is there. Oh, I'm doing my now. How do you find the? How do you find directions? Directions. Boom. Found it. All right. 
me, me, Rome, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how far he is from me. Oh, I have to dip down. I'm not dipping down south. What are you talking about? It's about an eight-hour drive, according to this. Holy cow. Well, I've got to go across South Carolina to get there because he's over in East North Carolina. Oh. Um. So over near, um, oh, just below around Greenville, down below Raleigh. I guess I'm just not that com- familiar with uh, Southern geography. No, it's fine. I thought it was closer. Well, I mean, look, I was up in Asheville, North Carolina, just the other week, and it was fantastic. It was not a far drive at all, about four hours up. Where I'm at is very west Georgia, like very close to... I'm so close to Alabama, you can smell it. That's and, probably not a good um, smell, is it? Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I'm about probably an hour or so. I don't know. Let's see how far I am from Chattanooga. Well, I got to do the directions there. Um, and uh, I don't know. It can't be more than an hour, hour and a half to Chattanooga. Yeah, an hour, hour, 20 minutes tops. To get to Chattanooga, up to the up to Rock City, not Detroit, Rock City, but Rock City. So you know, more under Tennessee than North Carolina. However, I mean, eight hours is nothing. I'll drive to Smithfield to play with some Transformers. That doesn't seem seem that bad at all, honestly. He's got a reclining couch. Yeah, I mean that's probably comfortable. Yeah, I took a nice nap in my reclining chair today. It was fantastic. Oh man, I love napping in a recliner. Oh. Ain't my, ain't, oh, nothing better. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. There's anything better than just falling asleep in your recliner. Yep. And, it, it's pretty fantastic. Although I got to be honest with you, a couple of years ago, I was pretty sick in my chair because it was my bed for a couple months oh, after no. my surgery. And, yeah. Well, I was, yeah, I, don't, I, I was sick wanna, in my recliner for a little bit. Well, see, that's the thing is I used to uh, have a rule that I would only, I love sleeping on my couch. And I had to give myself a rule that I would only sleep on my couch around the holidays, like Christmas. Between the week between Christmas and New Year's, I would sleep on my couch. Hmm. And I just loved it. But, you know, but I didn't want to be that guy that was always sleeping on his couch. I've been that guy for a while. You know, sometimes you're just like, man, this couch is comfy. And you just get in a groove of sleeping on the couch and you fall asleep and you wake up and you're like, maybe I should go to bed. Nah. And then you just go right back to sleep. Yeah. See, I just didn't want to be that way. I don't have any shame, I Steve. Didn't. I don't know if you knew that about me. It's fine. I mean, I don't think there's shame in it. it it's fine. It's fine. Um, you can email me at geekoutonline at gmail.com, the podcast, rather. You can email geekoutonline at gmail.com to chime in about your thoughts on me going and hanging out with Logan, Logan's apology. Uh, if you want more music by Ben Foster, whatever you want, you can... Or uh, why Steve and I won't talk DC Comics. Yeah, but yeah, you can get on me for somehow beginning a conversation about DC Comics and trans planning over into Marvel all of a sudden. Well, I think that's my fault because it was like, hey, have you seen that movie? And I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> do you like, remember Cosmic Spider-Man? I do briefly remember him. That was weird. It was during the Acts of Vengeance storyline. Yeah, it was odd. Well, he was Captain Universe. Yeah. He only got part of the Captain Universe powers. You were an X-Men guy. We've got to have an X-Men episode. Yeah, I'm always down to talk some X-Men. All right, well, that's. Well, screw That's American a... Gods. Who's your favorite X Men? No, I'm kidding. We do. I mean, but we've been talking about that for a minute, though. Is like, yeah, to do some to do, to talk some X Men. I've still been working through my chronological list of X Men comics. Oh, how fun is that? It's pretty fun, except there are some stinkers. There are some real stinkers. It's, it's hard as you get into as you get just before 
and I don't want to cast aspersions on the man at all, but just before like Stan Lee would step away and start to trade it off. And then after that, until Claremont came along, really, that, that title was kind of languishing. Yeah, I think they were actually running repaint prints, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And then when Claremont came along, and, I mean, just he revolutionized what the X-Men were, and he is the reason the X-Men had the success that they did. Yeah, I almost got to meet him, but he was doing an interview at the convention I was at, so oh, well, I, f- I figured I'd probably get tossed out if I said, hey, I know you're doing an interview, but... Excuse me, Mr. Claremont? Sign my book, please. Big fan, big fan. Have you seen the video of Ezra Miller, the guy who's playing The Flash in the new movies, uh, the DC movies, refusing to sign a Marvel comic? No. It's so That's cute. Hilarious. It's so cute. He's like, I can't sign that. You got to understand why I can't sign that, right? The guy's like, Are you serious? He's like, I am. I'm really like. He was super polite. He's like, But we're not. He said, That's the whole. That's the competition. You know. I can't do that. And I'm like, Why does anyone? And someone wanted to sign an Agents of Shield book. I'm like, Why do you want him to sign that? That's stupid. I never understood that. They were, you know, I saw one one time. It was a Howard the Duck, and they had it signed by Stan Lee. And I'm like, Why would you have Stan Lee sign your Howard the Duck comic? You know, the the man wrote a gazillion comics. Right. Why did you pick Howard the Duck? But at least it's a Marvel comic. Yeah. You know. So it's wor- like you said, it's worse when it's DC and Marvel, but I just never understand why you get an author or an artist to sign something that they had no part in. Yeah. It's like they're sitting there going, did you just not like my work? <laughs> Face front, true believer. All right. Um, Rod, let's get into American Gods. All right. Now, right out of the gate, I just want to say that I, while I did enjoy this book, I, I would have appreciated uh, a heads up on the adult nature of some of the moments in the book. If I had remembered, I would have given you a heads up. Uh, However. Well, we need to address a question. Wendy has emailed, Wendy Cooper, Wendy Cooper has emailed and asked how adult is it? And she says, she's still waiting to check this book out from the library. She'll be getting the audio. My question is, is this too adult to listen to on the road? I don't want to wreck because I'm screaming, oh, my Lanta. Um, yeah, Wendy, don't listen to this with the Amen Corner present. Certainly not. Mm-mm. No, this is, this is not something you want to be listening to with little ears around. Even, even half-grown little ears. Um, I can imagine this would be very... Very controversial in the old Cooper house, if, if especially like the first few minutes of it, listening to it. Yeah, it jumped right in. Yeah, uh, someone did. Like, okay, that wasn't so bad. It was just the one part, and then it got to the effort, and I was like, oh yeah, there was that part too. Sorry. Yeah, like it. it the, the the book starts out really kind of mysterious. Like it's a great hook to hook you into what's going on because the dude has hired basically a lady of the evening, and um. They're going to do what you do, you know, when the lady of the evening is employed by you, for lack of a better term. And she asks the guy to worship her. And so he's, you know, saying worshipful things. And before he knows it, he is um, neck deep inside of her. And I mean that literally. Like, he's being eaten by yes. her. But yeah, not by her mouth. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. And so that's all. That's, you know... He's being reverse born. <laughs> How about that? That's a that's a good way. <laughs> and uh, and there is language throughout, you know, uh, but it is but it is a weird hook because you're like, what is going on? And, you're like Rodney. 
we need to have a talk. Well, no, I mean, like, I, it's it's like here's the thing. A lot of times, I do, you know, when I'm listening to these books or reading a book, of course, I go into very cinematic mode and I begin to paint that cinematic picture. And so, you know, this is the perfect opening of a film or a TV series where this happens because you're immediately like, okay, I don't know who that was, I don't know what's going on. But obviously, it's all going to be explained. If nothing else, I've got to get to the bottom of who this crazy woman is and what she's all about. I wonder if they'll start the TV series with that. Uh, why wouldn't they? It's a great hook. Yeah, you know? maybe. Like, I could almost it hear... It is stars. This is how good of a hook it was. I could almost hear, as that chapter ends, doom, 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 somebody say... You know, like, she was like... <laughs> I'm like... Is this a meteor freak? What's going on here? Are we back in? Is this a dark version of Smallville? Oh yeah, here comes Clark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you you give him back right now. That's right. <laughs> you unreverse born him right now. That's right. That's right. Um, poop him out. Poop him out. Uh, so yeah, Wendy, don't don't listen to it in public. Uh, let's see. Um, Doc Zinn has emailed us and twice. And he said, yes. the book didn't grab me as good as the ocean at the end of the lane. The whole tree thing really messed me up. Is he talking about when Shadow was on the tree? Yeah, the tree of life. Mm -hmm. I did like the wife coming back to life. I could read a whole book just on her and see it making a great TV show. Yeah, like what was she doing when she wasn't tracking down Shadow? Like the the, <laughs> the fact that she's working at a convenience store was just wild beyond imagination. Yeah, she had to do something. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll work here. I can work nights. It's no problem, you know. Uh, I oh, did... I bet that is something they explore in the TV show. Yeah, I did. Just this filler. Yes, just like someone comes in and like wants a pack of cigarettes. At least they'll kill you. Uh, I did feel bad for Shadow. It was like he couldn't win sometimes. Yeah, he got out of jail, but it was because his wife was cheating on him. He just went to a really dark place. The guy killing kids and putting them in the car trunk was also really creepy. Been a while since I read this book. Wish I could remember more. Sorry. Uh, the, yeah, the whole mystery out of left field, man, with the uh, people going missing in Lakeview. Yeah, I mean, they kind of hinted at it off and on, but then to find out it was Henselman. Uh, spoiler alert, everyone, by the way. Listen, I don't think we we'll, need to spoil No, we'll spoil the heck out of this thing. I'm just going to... I want to go on record right now as if you are planning on reading any book that we are going to discuss... And you listen to the episode before you read the book. Yeah. I am not apologizing for anything I spoil. The um, I, at, on the audiobook version that I had at the uh, at the end, there was an interview with Neil Gaiman from right around the time this book book was being published, and he talked about that this book was a conglomeration, really of three ideas, two or three different ideas, and one of the ideas was kids go missing on a regular basis in this town, and yeah. and. And he, I don't want to say he shoehorned that in, but he kind of shoehorned that in here. You know, because I really did, it was a great misdirection because I really did think it was like some, some one of these gods or one of the people that were fighting against the gods doing it, you know? Yeah, I, I love the Lakeview storyline. And like you said, it, it does feel a little shoehorned. It's almost like a completely different story. It really is, yeah. But I felt like he tied it in fairly well. Sure he did. So I, I that was one of my favorite parts mm -hmm. of the book. Actually, was the uh, Lakeview story. Yeah, it wasn't until the end, you know, when you finally get the big reveal at the end. That's when I was like, oh, that was really neat. Yeah, 
That was a nifty little idea. I did not see that coming. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so uh, it was, yeah, shoehorned is probably the wrong word, but it does, it, it is a it is a kind of a story unto itself. And what's really interesting about this is Gaiman said that he it was supposed to be kind of a road trip book as well. And you kind of lose that a little bit hanging out so much in Lakeview, but it's Lakeview becomes this great base of operations for him to leave and go to Vegas and go to all these different places, you know. That uh, that Wednesday takes him um, on their journey uh, when when they're yeah. when they're doing stuff. And there was also, you know, the uh, the interludes where you would get the history of how these gods were brought to the new world. Yeah, those were pretty neat. Mm -hmm. And must have been a lot of research to get this many deities from this many different areas of the world. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, it just kind of shows the level of intelligence this dude has to research, and or the commitment, I should say. But he also is an intelligent guy. Like, he, he really is well-spoken and very... Like, I could just hear him talk about his thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Like, not, not just read his work, but hear him just talk about whatever it is that goes through his mind. Uh, is, it would be an interesting... Neil Gaiman, does he do a podcast? Because he should. Um Jess wrote us, she says, Hello guys, after reading this book, I think I've come to the conclusion that Gaiman just isn't the author for me. I did read the book in a few hours, and while I liked it more than the last one, this is not a book I'll be revisiting. I think what put me off the book uh, were what I see as the gratuitous sexual content. Those scenes did nothing to really drive the story forward, in my opinion. I don't mind occasional scenes like that as long as they move the story ahead. The only character in the story I felt any investment in was the old man who Shadow met in the town, and then he turned out to be a killer, so that annoyed me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point, Jess. I'll be giving the TV show a shot, but my hopes aren't high that I'll enjoy it. I'm expecting there will be way too many unneeded sexual things. Overall, I give this book a two out of five, and I probably will not go searching out any more of Gaiman's work. Well, that's disappointing because I really, you know, all the gratuitous sexual content aside, and I don't know how much of it was actually gratuitous. Um, you know, the opening scene seems like it may have been a little bit, but I don't know. What do you think? Uh, the opening scene, probably a little bit, not too bad, but the Ifrit was definitely <laughs> fairly gratuitous. Now, who was the Ifrit? Which one was that? The cab driver. The salesman oh, from... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, did you block that one out, Steve? Yeah, I did, because I didn't understand why they went there. Yeah, that one... That one was gratuitous just because I didn't... That one never came back. Like, Sheba came back. Mm -hmm, exactly. That one never did come back, did it? No. The Ifrit did not. Yeah, that's weird. Why didn't that one come back? What did he... Come on, Gaiman. I thought you were good at this. Um, Andy Lindemann has written in about several things. Because I finally got around to reading Sleeping Giants right before American Gods. Now, however, I don't remember much about it other than I wish I'd gotten... It had more giant flying robot action clearly the whole book is about a giant robot but we only get to see it fighting a little bit here and there if you're going to tease me with giant robots i'm expecting some some pacific rim style action maybe in later books that i probably won't read because i was only lukewarm toward this book anywho here's some thoughts about american gods like the previous gaming book we read it starts off pretty weird and freaky but by the end most stuff makes sense for me this kind of built up some anticipation for reading the book knowing it would start bizarre and make sense at the end once i started the book 
I was surprised at the sexual content and was kind of disappointed. I chose to avoid material like that for various reasons. It was almost a deal breaker for me with the book. I debated quite a while on whether to continue or just quit. In the end, I hoped there would be less as the story continued, and I got lucky. See what I did there? Uh, what is it with pagan gods and sex? Never mind. I don't want to know. This book did me did remind me of the Percy Jackson series a little bit, where the Greek gods are real in the present day, have flesh and bone, and have offspring that go on adventures. I don't know which came first, Percy Jackson, the Lightning Thief, or American Gods. Someone else can Google that for me. This is Pretty sure it's American Gods. Yeah, well, I am too. As the story continued, there were some references to the gods coming back to life and how everyone was interested in Shadow, and then there was the mention of how Thor died in the 40s or 50s. For a bit, I wondered if Shadow would end up being Thor. I was disappointed for a while that he wasn't. I totally did not see the con game being played out by Odin and Loki. That was well written and kept my, my simple mind in the dark. Kind of reminds me of the movie The Sting. I didn't even pick up Loki, low-key. The ending battle and postscript back with Henselman was great and worked out in ways I could not have imagined. However, I was curious how Shadow's wife knew where to find Mr. World and what to do when she found him. Maybe you'll get smarter when you're dead, but I haven't met any dead folk to ask. I I don't know how she knew how. I don't think it ever actually explained that, how she knew how to find uh, Mr. World. But I think he did a great job as far as tying in all these deities. I thought it was going to be Thor. I remember the first time reading it thinking that it was going to be Thor, and I think you did too. You and I talked about it. But just... I loved Odin's character. The whole con man guy and mm -hmm. talking about all the different cons he would mm -hmm. run was just hysterical to me. Yeah. And um, when they when they do the bank robbery deal, I was like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I love the... Uh, well, there was that one, the violin. The violin one was an old one. I mean, I've heard yeah. variations of that story and other... But the, uh, the jewelry thief one, I was like, well, that's pretty clever. You know, having the... Mm -hmm. uh, cop be the fake cop come in and be like he just robbed you didn't he these are all fakes <laughs> and it turns out they were all real money anyway yes yes he takes the money and the necklace we'll get oh. you a receipt yeah like, come on down to the station we'll get your receipt that, for all this yeah it's pretty clever oh man um doc zen also uh wrote in uh and i think he references his comment on the the reads uh board he says took a while to get this book so i read it quickly a day and a half and i liked it but not as much as ocean at the end of the lane didn't have a problem with the adult content either but i'm not sure if it was really needed mr gaiman really seems to enjoy throwing every name out of myths he could think of though i did enjoy his idea of gods moving around and getting stuck however gotta admit the jesus in afghanistan was a kick yeah. to the teeth oh yeah i forgot about that was I hilarious forgot about that nobody too. pick him up <laughs> Oh, no one would pick him up. You remember that? No, Last I don't. Last time we saw Jesus, he was hitchhacking in <laughs> Afghanistan. Nobody would pick him up. <laughs> I was surprised a few oh. times, especially with Henselman. I was sure he was Jack from Appalachian Jack Tales. I was wrong. I did not see him as the murderer. Not sure who I suspected. Again, probably because I was trying to read quickly. Thinking back, there was so much foreshadowing, it wasn't even funny, and I missed it all, even Loki's name. I enjoyed the thought form idea, and it seems... He, it even affected Shadow when he when he was small people saw him as bookish and smart and so he was when he got big people saw him as dumb and it's how he acted the gods of course were even more affected by this but Shadow was only half a god the new or American gods versus the old ones was very interesting especially thinking about all the people uh, all 
about all the people sacrificed the god of automobiles, the idea of people coming here before Columbus has always been of interest to me. And the day I was reading this book, I saw an article about Irish may have come here before Columbus. Laura was a very interesting character, and I wish uh, they would have went on to say why she was wanting to be part of a bank robbery. Her character could be a lot of the upcoming TV show's comedy, especially her working at the gas station. I wonder what classic TV shows they use in, in the TV show. Cheers may be a bit too old now to use the original stars. If they try to bring back the original stars. Enjoyed the book, would give it a 6 out of seven, six or 7 out of 10. And yes, if they show Lucy's boobs, it would make it a must, the TV show a must-see. Come on, Doc. Well, um, I don't know if you know, do you know who the actress that's playing, Laura? Mm-mm. I don't know her name, but I can tell you she's famous for being Baby Doll in Sucker Punch. Okay. And you're, did you watch Sucker Punch? I'm no. assuming you did. No, is that the Zack Snyder movie? Yeah, where she goes back and forth between the orphanage and then fighting in all these crazy landscapes, and she's got the sword. No, I never saw that. You know, wow. But anyway, I guess she fought for the role. Really? And yeah, she really wanted the role, and so she fought for it, and she got it. So she's going to be Laura. And then the, I can't remember the actor's name that's playing Shadow. I should have, I should have this up, but uh, he looks the part. I'm looking here on IMDb. Gillian Anderson is in this. Or Jillian Anderson is media. That's, that's yeah, I casting. did see that casting. I was like, oh, I'm excited about that one. Um, let's see who else we got. Emily Browning is Laura. Yeah, from. Uh, um, for, she was Cloris in the Sucker Punch. Leachman is in this. Well, me and Cloris Leachman. Um. Zoria. What else we got? Ian McShane is Mr. Wednesday. That's awesome, dude. That's a great cast. Um, oh, oh, I didn't Ricky even see Whittle. this one. Orlando Jones is Mr. Nancy. Seriously. That is a great That's cast. That's good casting right there. It's not coming out till next year. Right. But I'm, re I'm ready for it. Ricky, this has been in the works off and on for years. Crispin Glover is Mr. World. Oh, gosh. That's good stuff. Yeah, this is crazy, man. That's a that's a crazy cast. That's a good cast. Uh-oh, um, they've got the gin in there, so apparently they're bringing that in there. Who's that? They've got an they've got an actor listed as the gin, the gin. Oh, that's the stuff yeah. with the ifrit. Yeah, Kristen mm. Chenoweth is Easter. Nice. Yeah, that this is, is gonna be fun. That's a good cast. That is I'm a with... good cast. Who now? Who is this person playing Shadow? Ricky Whittle. I don't Whittle. know him, but I've seen some pictures of him. I'm like. He looks like, you know, he looks like him, like what I would picture him yeah, being. He's a big guy. Yeah. That's, yeah I think I there's a, of... they've released a screenshot of him with the actress playing Laura, and it's must be like when she came to him in the hotel room because got, she's got the um, autopsy incision scar on her chest. Hmm. So, but, I mean, he's a, he looks like a big guy. So I kind of like that. I think he's got a good look for that role. Yeah, he's not like bulked up like The Rock big, but he's very cut. He's tall. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a big that, that hides well under clothes, but still is he's got a really good look about him. And I did kind of picture Shadow as, a, as an African-American dude, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't, I didn't picture him as a white guy. No. If nothing else, at least 
darker complected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I never I, really said. I, in the I book, didn't did picture it? him as an African American because I, I assumed that he was Norse. Yeah, I didn't. And I, I think that's just because of Mister Wednesday, you know, being Odin. You figure right. out pretty early on that he's Odin. Right. And I'm like, well, he has an interest in him. He must be part of the Norse pantheon. Pantheon, sorry, pantheon. Well, he knew, him, and that was a cool bit where he meets him on the on the plane, and he's like, "I got a job for you, Shadow," and and does the whole, you know, it it just like Gaiman does a great job in this book of building the mystery, and you're and as you go into those interludes, you know, early on, you're like, "What is what is this? Why do we?" Why are we hearing about these people and their weird practices when they first came to America and all this stuff? And and then as everything begins to unfold, it becomes more and more clear, of course, as to as to what's going on. Um, I'm interested in who's playing Chernabog, Peter Stor- Stormare. I don't. Oh, I know. I recognize this guy. This is the one. The dudes from Fargo. Oh, see, I haven't watched that show. From no, from the movie. Uh, He's the guy that was uh, not Steve Buscemi. I don't see an actress listed for Samantha Crow. Welcome to IMDb with Rod and Steve. Well, Um, I remember one of the book clubs I used to have. We always did a question like, "This movie, this book's getting turned into a movie. Cast the characters," mm -hmm. and that was like our favorite question. It was so dumb. But it was always interesting to to hear what other people pictured the characters like in their mind. Right, right. Dane Cook is in this movie. What? Who is Dane Cook in this movie? The comedian. He's Robbie. Huh. Well, good for him. Yeah, I didn't know he was still around. No, I'm kind of. I want. I wonder who's playing Samantha Blackrow. I liked her. She was hilarious. Now, what, uh, she was she, the girl that was from Lakeview. That's right. That shadow picked up as a hitchhiker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was telling you off air, it's kind of funny that they mentioned some towns that I have spent a significant amount of time in, you know, Illinois. Right. And I think I remember, I don't know if it was in an interview on an audio book or an interview that I read somewhere that Neil Gaiman actually took this trip, you know, this path and kind of drove through these towns to get an idea for him when he wrote this book. Um, yeah, was it, that? in the interview he gave, it didn't come across that way. It came across as he has done like different road trips and everything, but I don't know that he took this particular trip. I don't know that that's the one. I, he like he came across like there really is a Cairo, Illinois. Yeah. Um, and and he came across that being the case and was like, why do they call it Cairo? You know, and um, and kind of got into into that and you know, became fascinated by that concept. And then, um, and he really talked about the idea that, you know, as a, as someone from the UK, he was really fascinated by America as a lot of people are. And he, and he said, he said this really cool thing that he didn't come up with, but was kind of profound to me. And that is that in America, you know, a hundred years is a long time. And in Britain, a hundred miles is a long way. And I'm like, wow, that's so true. In America, we'll drive 100 miles at the drop of a hat, no big deal. And think nothing of it. You know, but 100 years ago is like a completely different world to us. And and over there, it's like 100 years is a drop of the bucket of our history, you know? Yeah, we look at a house that's 100 years old, and we think, wow, that's an old house. And they're like, 
Yeah, man, yeah, come check out this castle. It's been around for several. Uh, and yeah, well, and and it's just and and I think that's what that and what he said was he wanted to capture some of that magic of what is out there in America, you know, and what America's become. And and that's the other thing is I love the idea that the places of power or the sanctuaries, if you will, were these weird roadside attractions. Yeah. You know, actually, I don't think I've ever done this to you before. So the questions that are on the Goodreads page. Mm -hmm. So one of them I have is like, uh, do you feel like this is uh, the stories, the author's homage to the American ideal, you know, like an America that he has read about and seen in movies and old shows, but never got to experience. And he's trying to recreate it. Do you think that was a big part of this book and why he chose to write it? I think it is. I, I think it is. As I said, to listen to him, he really wanted to write this road trip kind of story. And, and he does like to hear him talk about America. He really romance romanticizes the idea of what it is to be in America and to, and to hit the open road, you know, the old Route 66, the idea of driving down Route 66 and all that stuff. And I think for a lot of people, that's part of the appeal of this country is the freedom to get out and go, you know. And, yeah, I, I do. I do think it was it was kind of a, a thing for him. Because I don't remember exactly when. He, I think he pretty much lives in America now. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure exactly when he moved, but. I know he's pretty much adopted America as a second home, mm -hmm. but it it's interesting. We don't, re you know, it's just one of those things, those roadside attractions and a lot of these tourist places have kind of gone the wayside. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, and I meant to snap it the other day when I was headed up, um, actually Saturday evening, I was headed up to a little bit further north of here to a town called LJ to actually call some wrestling. And as you drive up the road, there is a barn, literally, Rod, a barn. And painted on the roof of the barn is Sea Rock City. From the book. and Where it um, all went down. Yeah, where it all went down. And I'm like, and I've never been there. I've never been up to Ruby Falls or, or Rock City to check it out. But, like, I was just like, I know how to get there. I know right where it is. There was the other place that we were looking at before we went live, the House on the Rock. Um, that I never knew anything about, but now I'm obsessed with going to this place. Well, you said that one's not too far from you, isn't it? The Rock City isn't. House on the Rock is up in Wisconsin. Well, then we have to road trip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just swing by, pick me up, and we'll tell Nicole to meet us there. It is located between the cities of Dodgeville and Spring Green, Wisconsin. Don't sound like Wisconsin names. Mm-mm, but it's, that's where it is. And, um... People typically spend up to three hours here. That's impressive anymore because nowadays it seems like people just they show up, they take a couple pictures, and they leave. Mm -hmm. Well, to, I mean, to, to me, to look at this thing, I don't know that you could just show up, take a few pictures, and leave. It is, It looks incredible. I'm pulling up a YouTube video right now because this place is just... And like all the stuff that he describes... The carousel is there. I saw a picture of the carousel. The, yeah, I'm looking um, at that now. The, and if you're, if you're listening to us ramble, it is interesting. Yeah. Pull up a window. Look at it. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, for reals. Um, but yeah, the carousel is there. The architecture is strange and weird. And, um, 
and there's different rooms and stuff. Um, I don't understand who did this. <laughs> but there's just this one, there's another room that's just like long and just kind of hangs out in the, in the, over the trees and everything where people just kind of stand there looking down and it's, it's very South. It's close to Illinois. The, the, what I'm looking on the map here, it's South, uh, Southwest Illinois. I mean, Southwest huh. Wisconsin. I'm sorry. Yeah. So not too far from me. I just have to leap around Chicago cause mm-hmm. nobody wants to drive through that. Yeah. Um, but it's set up in there. Like I would love to go see this place just because it just seems so strange and so weird. There's, there's like a room full of model airplanes and a water wheel and, you know, a room full of bells. What is that about? And then there's like regular type living room stuff. And there's a statuary and glass. It looks like a platform with a glass floor. Mm -hmm. No, thanks. Oh, I'd love that. Ah. You know, I kind of I climbed a grain elevator one time. And that's when I found out heights and I aren't so good. Really? You know, up to a degree. You know, I do some painting. I can climb I up a ladder. I was going to say but... you jumped off a uh, you jumped off a balcony into a tree one time. Yeah, it wasn't one of my brightest things I've ever done. Still got the scars to show for it. I mean, they're just these weird attractions that make no sense for being in Southwest Wisconsin. Yeah, that I'm looking well, at. So this is definitely on the Gulliver's Road Trip. It's got to be. It's got to be Steve Kahn. Steve Kahn. Steve Kahn held at the House of the Rock. <laughs> but I do, I like the idea of these being places of power for the gods and, and, and almost gateways and you know into, the, into another dimension. Well, they're driving the Winnebago, and they <laughs> yeah. realize they're getting... And, and, and Friday draws some runes on the, uh, on the dashboard, and he's like, all right, turn right. You know? And it's just like all of a sudden they're in this other realm with these life sucking robot spider things or whatever they are. And, you know, and they walk across that to get to where they were going to, uh, Oh, what was the, what, who were the native American guys? Whiskey Jack. Was it whiskey Jack? Yeah. There was a uh, whiskey Jack. Um, and then the other one was uh, Johnny Appleseed. That's right. John Chapman was Johnny mm-hmm. Appleseed. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking now at a... <laughs> they made fun of Paul Bunyan. <laughs> there was some fun stuff in this in this book, you know, like that. Like them making fun of Paul. Listen, the Chernabog my, my stuff... My is still the Jesus in Afghanistan and nobody yeah. would pick him up. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Chernabog stuff, to me, was really just... That's the one that captivated me because I know Chernabog from Fantasia and they finally start talking to... Maybe it was Neil Gaiman talked about, you know, people only know Chernabog from Fantasia. And I'm like, that's true. I only know Chernabog from Fantasia. But as they're talking about him, it's like this this Russian thing, you know. Um, and the Slavic god of the dead, the night and chaos. And um, that's, you know, and for him to be also the other guy, like he was, he transitioned into the the... Balabog, Balabog, who was like the opposite, the god of happiness and luck. And he would, you know, at toward when Shadow goes back to pay his debt of getting his head bashed in, you know, yeah, Chernabog's, with my sledgehammer. Mm-hmm, Chernabog's on the verge of making the turn in his season of being Billabog. And, um, and I love that moment, though. I love the moment when 
he, he goes just, back. He's he, like, I got to do this. Yeah. And, but no, when, when Trinovog just taps him on the head with it, like, yep. you know, and it's like, Oh, he won their respect. He, you know, he did all that. It was great. I, you know, I love shadow. I know, uh, I think it was doc was saying how he liked Laura, but shadow. Cause he's just like, he, he doesn't have anything to lose at this entire time. He just gets to the point where he's like, sure. I'll play in checkers. You win. You can hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. Let's play again. You know, it's just like, geez. Yeah. I, the, playing a game of checkers to be hit in the head with a sledgehammer, that part fascinated me a little bit. It's like, well, yeah, it's like, what is some the, high stakes checkers right there? Yeah. I, it just, it's really, you know, and it is sad. Like, like shadow has a sad, sad life. Um, you know, you, you're already rooting for the guy at the beginning when he's been, you know, he's been on good behavior. He's going to get out early and everything. And then, boom, he does get out early, but it's only because his wife is dead and he's got to go back for her funeral. And then he finds out she was cheating on him with his best friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like the hits keep coming for the poor guy. Yeah. And then he gets to Lakeview and you think, you know, he's got a good thing going. He's got some friends there. The cop likes him and everything goes sideways there. Yeah, but that was a cool, that was a cool sequence of events when he gets, when he gets out of the jail yeah and and it ends up being like his friends transporting him and everything oh that was a good like oh my gosh we're all gonna die this is terrible how's he gonna get out of this one and they're like they should be here in about 20 minutes we got to go <laughs> mr nancy which uh, nancy when he wrote the sequel what well, i call it a sequel set set in the same universe mm -hmm. and that's where we find out that he's balder shadow is balder mm -hmm. and but it's Fat Charlie Nancy is one of Mr. Nancy's boys. It's a, it's the same thing. It's just hilarious. The two boys are running around because Nancy's dead. Dog's knocking stuff over. Sorry uh -oh. if you heard that. Uh-oh. Here comes the dog. <laughs> no, he's upstairs. My wife's, my wife's watching him. She's home. She's watching him now. Dodgeville, but, uh, Wisconsin. I'm sorry. I'm still watching a video. I just clicked on a video. It's an hour and 17 minutes long of someone just... I guess just walking through the house on the rock. And one of the first things on wow. here is inside like the main part, I guess when you first come in, there's this huge statue of like a samurai. I don't know what that's about. It, I it's... was looking at some of those pictures. There's some stuff. I'm like, oh, what, what is this even? Why is this? Mm -hmm. here? Why is this even here? <laughs> Who, well, we'll put a room with samurai over here. Mm -hmm. Some model airplanes over here. I think there was one with a big giant shark in it. The house is actually a giant museum of curiosities. Yeah, curiouser and curiouser. So I mean, there's I just love the gods and how the old gods have kind of yes, just try and make their way through society however they can, whether it be a grifter, a con man, or the classic drunk Irish leprechaun. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that dude, he kind of breaks your heart because like oh, what a sad story. You know, he gave him the wrong coin, and then of course Shadow, like an idiot gives it to Laura, which is allows her to come on back to life. And, um, and shadows obsession with coin tricks is this great little quirk added to his character that, you know, you keep thinking it's going to come back to play in a big, bad way. And I guess it does, but not in like, it's not, I always expect that moment where somehow his coin tricks are going to come around and save the day, almost like Willow's disappearing pig trick. Yeah. From Willow, you know, where he makes a Lord Dan and disappear. And uh, because he's just using the old disappearing pig trick. That's impressive. 
being able to pull Willow into this, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I am impressed. Well, you know, I love Willow. What can I say? <laughs> but, I, I mean, that's the best example I can give where something kind of minor or a little quirky thing comes up to be the thing that saves the day when really it's Laura that kind of saves the day when it's all said and done, I guess. Yeah, willing to sacrifice herself. Yeah. Let's talk about him going to the Tree of Life. All being reborn. How long was he there? It was supposed to be seven days, which I don't know if it actually ended up being seven days. See, I don't either. And I also don't know that, like, I couldn't tell if it was more or less than seven days because you know time he seemed to be like he talked about being there longer than seven days you know in whatever spirit realm he was in before they finally brought him back to life i don't know it was a really interesting thing and are the ladies who brought him did the it wasn't the ladies that, there was a there was a place where there were like three ladies right yes that was there at the house yeah. they were in the house are they Up. fate was that fate Oh, let me see who they were. I got the whole list here. Yeah. Is this at the foul.org? Yeah, Frowl, yeah. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of gods in here that I didn't realize who they were. Now, I couldn't remember. There was a name. There were some names from um, Ocean at the End of the Lane I was supposed to be on the lookout for, and I could not remember those names to save my oh, life. Oh, where were those... Three women's names. This is what I was saying. And I couldn't remember. I assume those women, the three women that brought him back to life were fate, though. Like, they basically were the representatives of, of, of fate. Probably. I'm looking through there now to see if I can find them. And we're calling it the Tree of Life. It was really the world tree, right? Yggdrasil. Yeah. I, I, yeah, the world tree. So does the well of wisdom, the well of fate, and the can't pronounce the name. Where's this? This is at the very bottom, Igrasil. Yeah, Igrasil. Which, by the way, I'm butchering. But uh, it says, you know, at its base is the well, and they gave Laura water. So yeah, that's who that is. Okay, it's fate. So they're, they're, those, they're the three wells, well of wisdom, well of fate, and Fergolmir. Yeah. Good. You notice how I just, yeah, and that Fergolmir. one. Fergolmir. If Steve wants to try it, he can. I am not. I'm Fergolmir. What? I'm Fergolmir. Fergolmir. Listen. Listen to me. I'm, oh. I'm not. You think I'm drunk. I'm just trying to pronounce my name, Fergolmir. Fergolmir. Down at Fraggle Rock. <laughs> so the well of fate, the well of what? And Fraggle Rock? Yeah. The well oh, of wisdom. So... Well of wisdom, well of fate, and Fraggle Rock. And Fraggle, Fraggle Rock. Um, oh, who were the ladies in Oceans at the end of the lane? Wasn't it like the ladies that were, were looking oh, for were, their names? They were the three sisters. And nobody is helping us in the chat. Maybe they've all tuned out as we try to. They have. They've completely tuned out. Um, I wonder if I can pull up a dramatis persona. Is that actually a thing? I think so. Okay. That's a list of characters, I believe. 
Here's from Schmoop. 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 You got the hemp stocks. The hemp stocks. I think that's probably who we're supposed to be on the lookout for. And I don't remember there being. No, I don't either. Who was the uh, who who were who was his neighbor in Lakeview? Oh, um, who? What was her name? Because he was though she was the possible love interest. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do some googling here. I'm trying to bring my Google food to the forefront. I should have texted you in the midst of it all to find out if who I need to be listening listening to um maybe it's the idea of the three ladies neil gaiman's three ladies two titles that reconfigured the triple guardus archetype ocean well, in the lane i don't know who that and um i don't know who would have been the old one i mean i guess you could have said samantha black crow was the young one mm-hmm and then her older sister, but I don't know who would have been the third one then. Could have been any of those ladies. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Because um, I don't remember what... It was Samantha's sister was the neighbor uh-huh. who was the possible love interest, but I don't remember her name off the top of my head. And I don't see it. Yeah, either. I'm only seeing... When I Google it, I'm only seeing allusions to Ocean at the end of the lane. Yeah, like what was the other book they were mentioning? Stardust. Okay. There was Hemstocks and Stardust. Okay. I don't know. Did you watch that one? Did we discuss that? We we discussed it, and I've never seen it. Um, you need to watch Mirror Mask as well. You need to watch them or read them? Mirror Mask was a movie. Mm-hmm. Henson, basically, Henson Company basically wanted to try and tap into the magic that was the uh, Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. So they asked Neil Gaiman and uh, McKean, I believe is his name, the yeah. artist that does a lot of the work with Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. to do the movie. That fellow, is, that's the guy who's passed recently, right? The artist. Did he pass? The guy who, no, that was the preacher. The guy who. Yeah, Dylan. Preacher. Yeah, Dylan. I get preacher and Sandman confused sometimes. Yeah. Because I've so, read neither. And it was pretty trippy, Mirror Mask was. I enjoyed it. It wasn't. The Dark Crystal, but it was still mm-hmm. a good movie. Yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, I like. Listen, here's the thing: is I am on the Neil Gaiman bandwagon, sir. He's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's, I sh- we should have gotten to him sooner. I'm we, sorry. I, no, it's fine. I just it, it's one of those things where it's like this story really sucked me in, and 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 you know, and I never even the road trip aspect of it never really dawned on me. Until I heard him talking about it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess he did. But I, I just, there's so many concepts that I love. I love the idea that these gods were brought over to the New World and then just kind of forgotten. And, and they're fighting for relevance more than anything else. Yeah. And, you know, and then the big twist with Odin running the whole con, you know, the whole time and being willing to die for the con. Yeah, you know? because he... he... He thinks he'll be brought back. Right. You know, the whole big battle will be a big sacrifice mm-hmm. to him, and he gets to come back. That's right. And um, and working with Loki. Mm-hmm. Which is a whole, which is a twist on Odin altogether. 
I, yeah, I, I mean, as far as the Odin I know. And, and I mean, to be honest, full disclosure, the only Odin I really know is from the Thor comics. Yeah, um, well, that's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I might know a smidge of the Norse mythology, but I'm with you. The majority of what I know is from Marvel comics. Right. And, um, and, and a lot of these other gods I wasn't familiar with at all. You know, I, everything I know about these other gods comes straight from American oh, yeah. gods. You know what I'm saying? I know no, like, you're talking Slavic, European deities. Mm-hmm. I'm going, huh? You know, the Greek yeah. and the Romans, and then some of the Norse, but after that... Well, at one point they mentioned Baron Samdi, and I know him from Voodoo because of Live and Let Die. Yeah. You know, the... the uh, the the James Bond movie, um, the Horus, you know. Yeah, the Egyptian ones. I, guess I know, I know a little like bit, but not much. I mean, you know, I know the names. I was familiar with the names, and of course, I know Johnny Apple, Johnny Appleseed. Um, yeah, Bilkis, not a clue. Not it, not at all, not at all. You know, the, Chernabog. I had no idea who he was. I had to look him up. Well, I knew Chernabog, like I say, from Fantasia. Yeah, and, and that's only because of Disney Vault Talk. So, um, who else we got here? I'm just kind of going down through some things. I mean, most of these I had no idea, you know. Um, who's this one? Lucodius, Celtic god of lightning. No idea. Yeah. No idea. But I did, like, uh, somebody brought it up in the email, though. I, and I thought it was funny when he mentioned, you know, like, oh, people have been coming to this land for thousands of years, you know, talking about the Egyptians flying. Mm-hmm sailing up the uh, Mississippi River to trade. And that's how they got there. Because essentially by the time America was discovered, the ancient Norse mythology was not being worshipped anymore. So Mm -hmm. those people wouldn't have been there. But the Irish monk, somebody brought that up. There is pretty good evidence that there was an Irish monk that sailed over and I think like 800 something. Well, what I've I've heard and, and discovered is that Christopher Columbus... They all knew about it. Like there was, it, there was never any doubt that there was this, this other place. But what Columbus's thing was, he was trying to find a new route to India, India. and that's why they called the Native Americans Indians, um, yep. because for a minute he thought he was in India, <laughs> until they realized they weren't. And I, and I think they didn't realize the scope of the land over here. You know, um, but, but I think it was pretty well accepted that there was some unsettled territory, you know, before Columbus, at least in a lot of places, I think, from what I understand. And and so, um, you know, depending on who you ask, you know, everyone from a a lost tribe of the Hebrews to, um, to the Japanese, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who knows? Yeah, there was no Asian deities in this book, were there? Now that I think about it. I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, there were some Indian deities mm-hmm. some of the subcontinent. Well, and Shiva, you know. Yeah, so there's some subcontinent India. Mm-hmm. Asian Indian, I guess. I don't know yeah. what the term is. I'm going to go with Asian Indian. There were no Japanese or, or Chinese. Chinese, gods. yeah, which is kind of surprising because I imagine that there has to be some rich mythology there as well. Well, not only that, I mean, like, you could almost do a book of nothing but Hindu gods, too, because there's so many of them. Oh, yeah. So it was just interesting he chose the Norse, you know, which, you know. Well, I think Odin is, Odin fits good as Mr. Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole, I mean, look, uh, there is no criticism 
as far as his choice of characters on my part. I, I thought that it was, again, just really well crafted, right down to the twists and the turns. And then for Shadow to go back to Lakeview and still be obsessed with this idea of, not obsessed, but really kind of fig- trying to figure out where this girl was, and it all kind of hit him. You know, and 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 the fact that he'd asked the ice to melt on the day that he got back. <laughs> yeah. And and had he not done that, then he probably would have been able to get out there and, you know, get that thing open without putting his life at risk the way he did. Yeah, so it was... He it, there was a lot of little tidbits about that as far mm-hmm. as like him having the power make it snow. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you know, he's like, and he opens his eyes, he's like, oh crap, my bad. Mm-hmm. Did he um, and see, and he was, and this is something I didn't realize that he was Balder, or Bowder. Yeah. Um. Who is a son of Odin? Um, and I didn't, I never picked up on that. And you said that's mentioned in. And Nancy boys. In Nancy, Nancy boys. A Nancy. A Nancy? Yeah, as in Mr. Nancy mm-hmm. is actually a Nancy. Okay. And uh, he he dies at the beginning of the book, and it's his two sons. And the older one is just like his dad, a huge troublemaker. And then the younger one is the younger, fatter one that gets made fun of all the time. and And he basically tries to come into his own. Well, reading this, here is a here is a quote about Shadow. When Mr. World or Loki is talking to Lara about Shadow, he says, "When this is all down with or done with, I guess I'll sharpen a stick of mistletoe and go down to the ash tree and ram it through his eye." And that's a clue because, according to legend, Balder was concerned with his own death. His mother extracted an oath from every creature, object, and force in nature to never harm Balder. However. She forgot about the mistletoe, and Loki, who was jealous of Balder, tricked Balder's blind brother, uh, Hod, into stabbing Balder with mistletoe. Yeah, which I don't know how that'd work. Well, you just kind of, uh, you know... I mean, mistletoe, I didn't know it was that firm to be able to stab somebody with. Well, if, you're, if, it's, you know, if it's your weakness. Yeah. You know. I guess. Some strong mistletoe. Yeah. So how do we go from that to kiss under the mistletoe, the holidays? How does uh, that work? Well, I'm glad you asked, Rod, because that actually has to do with a whole different um, set of legends and and stuff. It actually, I, I do know this. Um, it comes from, uh, I think it's Celtic, right? Maybe. Um I'm asking you. Yeah. Well, here's what the Greeks were known to use it as a cure for everything. All right. From except for blindness. Yeah. And the Roman naturalist Pliny the Elder uh, used it as a bomb against epilepsy, ulcers, and poisons. And um, I can do this. And uh, let's see what else was there. Just this is just me pulling stuff off the top of my head. Um, Probably started the the romantic stuff. Probably started with the Celtic druids around the first century A.D., because mistle, mistletoe can blossom even during the winter, and so the druids they viewed it as a sacred symbol of you know vivacity, and they administered it to humans and animals in the hope of restoring fertility. Um, so that's probably where it where it came from. And that continued right. Right, right on through the Middle Ages, and in the 18th century, it become wildly incorporated into Christmas celebrations. And I'm, um, I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah, 
The kissing tradition appears to have caught on amongst servants in England before it spread to the middle classes. I feel like you're reading this now. No, 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 no. I, this is all off the top of my head. And as That's part me. of the early custom, men were allowed to steal a kiss from any woman caught standing on the mistletoe, and refusing was viewed as bad luck. So, Seems like a good tradition to start. You got to kiss me. It's bad luck. Yeah. Well, and the way it used to be done is... When you did that, you plucked a berry from the mistletoe with each kiss, and you had to, and you couldn't stop smooching until they were all gone. So you wanted to find one that was had a lot of berries on it. That's right. That's right. Hmm. So, well, you get a lesson on mistletoe, a lesson on uh, all deities minus Asian deities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and this is the book club. So before we wrap things up, I want to mention another book that I've read lately. Okay. Um. I, uh, I I read over the past weekend or listened to over the past weekend the new Star Wars novel by James Lucino, Catalyst. It is the prequel or the lead-in to Rogue One. Um, it does not spoil anything about Rogue One. You know, you're not going to come away with... Um, you're not going to come away knowing the plot of Rogue One or anything. I mean, you, if you don't already know the plot of Rogue One, then you've never watched Star Wars. You know, Rogue One is is right out of the crawl of. That's Darth of Vader becoming four. the Sith Lord, correct? No, that's Revenge of the Sith. Uh, oh. Rogue One is a band of re- striving from a head, hidden base. The rebel spies have managed to win their first victory against the Empire. Um, they've stolen the plans to. You know what? Let me let me. I I did not do this right. I need to quote it verbatim for you, and and I can do this right off my uh, right off the top of my head. Uh, of course, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, we all know that part. And then Star Wars, Episode Four: New Hope. It's a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. Here's Rogue One. During the battle, Rebel spies managed to steal secret plans of the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. So that's the that's the that is the plot. Spoiler alert: Rogue One. You've been spoiled for all these years. But anyhow, Catalyst um, is introduces us to the character, some of the characters we're going to be dealing with, and like it starts all the way back in the Clone Wars. So there's there's allusions to Episode Two, and um, we get to see the end of the war from a completely new perspective that we've never seen the end of the clone war from. And, um, I really dug it. I really thought it was done. Well, James Lucino is one of the better star Wars authors out there today because he really does his homework when he digs into these books and he incorporates as much history from the movies and from the expanded universe and everything else as he can into it. Um, one of the best, um, one of the best books that he wrote was uh, Sidious, um, about, not Sidious, uh, Darth Plagueis. And um, it was like you almost needed a footnote guide with him. He could have done an appendices or appendix. With, Which never work well in audio versions. Mm-mm. But he could have done it for the book and... And just and and it, and it would have been a font of information because there was so much. It was so rich and so deep with stuff. Now it's not. It's been relegated to legends status, but it's one that I know that like people like Irish were fighting for to not be relegated to legends because it's that good. You're hoping it gets brought back. 
You you really do. But I mean, Plagueis is, and Plagueis being the master of Sidious, I think is canon. But um, but the book itself was not. But this Catalyst is, and and I just want to you know recommend to all the um, to all the Star Wars fans, pick up Catalyst. It's worth your time. It's a good read. Well, I am currently working my way back through the Malazan series on audio. Mm-hmm. I read them all. It took me two years. That series is massive. What is the Malazan series? It's a very dark, gritty fantasy series. It was two guys who were trying to sell it as a role-playing world, mm-hmm. and it didn't get picked up as a role-playing game, so then they wrote the novels. Oh, the nice. first book is 640-some pages. Yeah. And it is far and away the shortest. I think of the next nine, only one of them is under a thousand. Oh wow! So the audio books are like forty some hours a piece. Hmm. And I usually listen at work, and I can get through quite a few hours. But with the amount of work we've had and confusion, I don't get to listen as much, which is frustrating because I keep having to pause to deal with work, which is aggravating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to listen to a book, people, and you're making me do stuff. Yeah, well, forgive jerks. Them. Forget All those jerks. People. Exactly. We do have to pick. I mean, are we doing another one? Yeah, are, are it's we... going to be probably January before we can get to discuss it. I mean, and, I, oh, and I'm not. Fine. I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be uh, funny. Um, like no, I'm. I'm hammered. I've told you. I'm. I've got eight over eight hours of overtime in this week, and I've only worked two days. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we can we can go ahead and pick another one if you want to here. Um. Do you want the nominations, or do you want to f- go rogue? Uh well let's what what let's see what the nominations have been I'm there uh, you can get to the Goodreads discussion page by going to geekoutonline.com slash reads and um I guess I've these got, would be the October recommendations uh yeah Nicole's got them listed at the top thank mm-hmm. you Nicole she does a great mm-hmm. job moderating these threads by the way mm-hmm. shout out shout out to their absent mother well, I looking at this list there's two that I've got my eye on okay. And that would be The Color of Magic. Mm-hmm. I've, I've long wanted to start the Discworld series, and I haven't. Or Howl's Moving Castle by uh, Diana Wynne-Jones. Mm-hmm. And I would like to throw in a third option, Going Rogue. That just hit me with The Color of Magic. I would like to pitch, and I know it would be a third in a row. Okay. But it's Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Oh, wow. And I don't know. Did I tell you about that one? No. So that one is the end of the world's coming and there's an angel and a demon that are running around on Earth and they're friends and they like it. They kind of like Earth. Mm -hmm. They don't want it to end. So they swap the Antichrist at the hospital (laughs) (laughs) to prevent the end of the world. With some other random baby. But someone that still has the Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's... Neil Gaiman's hysterical. Terry Pratchett, I don't know if you've ever read him, but he is funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's why I was thinking The Color Magic. Howl's Moving Castle, I've never read mm-hmm. either. But those are my three, Okay. my top three. What is the status of the adultness of Good Omens? Do you remember? Not off the top of my head. Okay. What do you think Google say if I Google how adult is Good Omens? I don't know. I don't think it's as bad. I don't think Terry Pratchett. Yeah. The color of magic, and that is, and that begins a series. Yeah, and you haven't read it. No, it's a long series. I think there are a lot of them are standalones. You know, they're okay. Yeah, 
the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I don't know. I'm 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 really drawn to the idea of the color of magic, but I'm not seeing it on Audible. Oh, it's on there. Guarantee it... you. Are you spelling color right? Because it's O U R. Right. Um. Just type in Discworld it's Book One. Discworld Book One. The Eye of the World. That's the Wheel of Time. Robert Jordan. I don't. Mm -mm. don't There's no way this isn't on here. Let's see. Terry Pratchett. Discworld series. Yeah, I, I found it right away. Oh, my God. Well, look. Aren't you special? Yeah, I just typed in the color of magic. I did too, but it brought did me you up type all this it, other did stuff. You did you type it in O U R? Yes, yes. I don't think you did, Steve. I did, Rod. And I'm getting the life changing magic of tidying up, the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing. Well, let me just. Uh oh, wait. I almost sent that link to somebody else. Terry Pratchett. And boom. There you go. There's 27 Discworld books. Yeah, I don't. You don't have to. My understanding is they're not like a big series. You know, you can do one and. No, I'm I'm getting here. We're sorry, due to publishing rights restrictions, we are not authorized to sell this item in the country where you live. What? That's what I'm seeing here. Oh, I'm not logged into my Audible account, so maybe that's it. That's one you should like. That's weird. I think he just passed recently. Well, maybe we shouldn't do that one then. As much as I want to. It's short enough. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm looking at it right now and unabridged, it's under seven hours. Color of Magic. Cherry Pratch. I just went straight to Amazon. Let's see what we got here. In the Kindle store. I'll see all four departments. No. Yeah, I'm just seeing the books. You've, you've piqued my interest with this good omen thing, though. See if that one's available. Okay. I don't... It doesn't say anything about... Uh... But see, it's got the other Discworld series available. That's weird to me. Good Omens is available, unabridged, on Audible. Yeah. it's the Amer uh, Okay, apparently they swapped them with an American diplomat, son. Oh, man. And um, then there's a... There's a... Weird witch that makes these prophecies that come true in, in odd ways. Mm -hmm. The nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter Witch. So they've got book three. Uh, nope. They don't have the Dis Discworld stuff. That's weird. I wonder why it's not available in this country. I don't know. That's weird. Huh. Well, then I'm going to ask that we do Good Omens, then. We we do a trifecta of gaming. And with Terry Pratchett, so... With Terry Pratchett. So, Jess, who wrote in and was um, concerned that she doesn't like gaming, would this be something she thinks she may like? I think uh, it's much funnier. Mm -hmm. It's It's a British-type humor. Okay. It's not as dramatic as I, if I remember correctly. It's probably been five or six years since I've read it, but I mm -hmm. think, I hope she likes it. Okay. I like Jess. She's a great part of the group, and 
I'm sad when she doesn't like books that I like, but she likes Dune, so Jess is going to get a free pass from me for a while. All right. Well, well, I would have done Color of Magic if they'd had it available on Audible, but I'm just I'm going to go with. I'll say we'll go Rogue one more time, and I don't want to discourage people from continuing to make recommendations because we would have gone total Color of Magic this time around had it not been for it not being on Audible. So blame Audible, not yep. me. Um, Email your complaints to audible.com, not Steve Glosson. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. You can email me if you want to. I will delete them. So, um, well, that's it. That wraps us up. The uh, The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com. Uh, what's the Goldiverse Reads email, Rod? Goldiverse Reads at gmail.com. Goldiverse Reads at gmail.com. And you can tweet us at Goldiverse Reads at Geek Out Loud. The entire Goldiverse is at Goldiverse. Rod is at Rod underscore B underscore Johnson. I'm at Steve Glosson. Of course, the Geek Out Loud Facebook page is facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud. Don't forget to use the Amazon Think Geek and Entertainment Earth links at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com to do your shopping at those particular areas. And if you want to support the shows directly on a regular basis, you can do so at patreon.com slash geek out loud uh this will be it our 200th episodes coming up where we're going to be talking rocky ladies and gentlemen with lauren sadowski collins proud new mother and wife of david collins she's not the mother of david collins but they're new parents um as of just last week and uh we had a great conversation a little while back about rocky that i've been sitting on so it's going to be jam-packed. We're also going to may try to squeeze Adam Bray into that episode, our Marvel conversation that we had, as well as uh, your emails and um, a bad impersonations theater. So it's going to be a big one. 200 is. And then, I'm going to send you a voicemail. Well, you do so. We'll play it on 201. Um <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic thanks everyone for joining us we'd love to hear from you any of those ways if you want to send us an mp3 file or something through email you please do so um rod you're doing Dunecast. i am uh someday soon we hope to get back to that joe is sounds like he's just as buried at work as i am so and you can find that over on the retro zap network yep is that and, correct uh, I've got my little new puppy now that I actually named after Lado. So I'm pretty excited. I've got a dog named after a character in a book. I'm that kind of nerd. That's what I like to hear. That's the kind of people we are, naming our pets and children after our obsessions. So. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. You're gonna go, I know